Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In my neighborhood, there is a Trump sign. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of walking and talking to my friend Keenan in the city. And I get close to the house and I subconsciously just kind of turned around. I didn't want to be passing the house while I'm talking about race with a friend. And it's this fear. And I mm. feel like a coward, like the thing about not putting up a sign. But at the same time, it doesn't get better if we don't speak up. Yeah. But growing up in Alabama, you drive down a street and you see Confederate flags or you pull into a parking lot and you see a car with a Confederate flag, you park somewhere else. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Roman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you for all of us. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Roman. How's LA? It's warm and hot. (laughs) 72 and sunny in LA. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, so this podcast usually isn't in real time. We have conversations with some really interesting people, and several weeks later, we air the episode. <laughs> Sometimes months later. I mean, we're so overly prepared that I have to say. It's, it's an embarrassment of riches. It's very true. And the irony is, that's what we set out to do when we ideated this podcast last year. And who thought a podcast on race would be in a period when we're actually having conversations on race? Mm-hmm. And shit just keeps happening. And the, so the architecture of the show, right, has always been... I call it the shit sandwich. At my old company, when we would give feedback, you'd start with the positive stuff, get to the really uncomfortable truth, and then close with the positive next steps. And we kind of do that with our shows. If you've listened to more than two, we have some fun conversations about being a young person. We get into some truth. And then we close with some fun stuff about what you like to eat when you were a kid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, it works. And again, we've talked about some stuff going on, but sometimes it's a month or two later. Now there's some universal truth to it. And I think I have to start sharing like you and I have so much privilege as two Asian people, quote unquote, model minorities, for the most part, we're okay versus what other black and brown people experience in this country. So I I just have to get that out of the way, like before we talk about what's going on. I don't know. I can't. So I want to talk about Kenosha, right? Wisconsin and Mm -hmm. Jacob Blake and this shit keeps happening. And Mm -hmm. I don't. Is it a frog in boiling water with our society? We're just getting more used to it. But people are protesting. Yeah. But so the other thing going on this week is the RNC. And I'm pretty sure you can guess what my politics are. Sharon, I'm guessing you don't have a red hat that says MAGA on it. No, I don't. Mm -mm. Okay. (laughs) I'm actually kind of embarrassed. There are times when people find out what business school I went to. And they're like, hey, didn't the president go there? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) 
I but wish, you know, I've, like, I kind of wish that was not really part of the whole narrative, but yes, he did go to my school or rather you know, I went to his. I have conversations. So grow, I grew up in white suburbia America. I spent the beginning of my career in another part of white suburbia America in the Midwest in Cincinnati, more purple than the red that was Alabama. But my wife and I moved to a part of Connecticut that's pretty white. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes get into conversations with people and they are surprised to find that I lean progressive. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, and I don't live in the richest part of town and my wife and I don't wear wealth. It's just who we are. But people are surprised. I'm like, how are you surprised? <laughs> like, you know, my parents are teachers. You know, I work in tech and I occasionally wear an Obama shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we, so we were on vacation last. This is the shit sandwich part. This is the fun part of the show, I guess. We were we were on vacation last week. I know it's kind of weird to say going on a vacation during this pandemic. Um, we rented a small beach cottage in a really empty town. We saw almost less people just to like cook at the house, get takeout and go to the small beach where no one was. And we drove to another town to go check out a park. And there were all these Black Lives Matter signs. The part of Massachusetts we were staying in was pretty blue collar. There were a few Trump signs. But the part we went to go visit, this other part is very liberal, Massachusetts, if you will. Suburb of Boston was the second place we went. Lots of Black Lives Matter posters. And the, so two weeks ago, Kamala Harris. Oh, my God, it's amazing. And I was talking to my wife, seeing all these Black Lives Matter signs. I was like, oh, I want to put a Biden-Harris sign up at our house. She's like, I don't know if we should do that. Hmm. And then we drive into this town with all these Black Lives Matter signs. She's like, you'd probably be better off putting up a Black Lives Matter sign. And I was like, ha that, that's that's probably true. And we come home. And we've been going for walks in the evenings because it's been nice after dinner just to burn off my daughter's energy. And I start noticing there are, thank you, town police department, name of the town police, XPD, right? And they're all over. There aren't any Black Lives Matter signs. And I start looking this up. I'm like, is this code? Like, wow. it's the, is it the blue? It's not quite Blue Lives Matter, to be clear. Yeah. And I'm nervous about having a show like this, Sharon. When we have fun shit sandwich conversations with other people, it's easy. Yeah. But I'm trying not to be political, but I really want to be political. But I know I'm doing all the talking, but like I wrote an op-ed about racism two years ago when some Indian people got shot and killed in Texas. And I wanted to submit it to HuffPo and the New York Times. And I knew it would never get accepted, but I knew I could get it published in my hometown newspaper in yeah. Alabama. And I sent it to a few friends from Alabama, brown friends and white friends. And all the white friends are like, you have to do this. Oh, my God. And a lot of these are white friends who have moved back to the South. Mm-hmm. And all my brown friends were like, don't do it. Do you want something to happen to your parents? Right. And right. that's the nervousness I have with this show getting too political. You know, the soft power of it is, oh, just hear how other people live. But fuck that. Sometimes I'm like, I want to put a Black Lives Matter sign up. And is that courage? Look, if courage is marching. Courage is all the other shit. But Literally, that my wife and I are having the conversation with all these support the police department signs in my neighborhood. And the fear of putting up a Biden-Harris poster, the fear. And I have friends who don't have kids, and maybe they don't get it. I have a kid. I, I'm yeah. not just scared for her 20 years from now. I, yeah. I, I, I need to stop talking, Sharon. <laughs> I'm just like, and by the way, listeners, I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. I'm fine. So many thoughts. There are like so many thoughts coming out of you right now. Yeah. But let's back up for a second, though. In your neighborhood, Biden-Harris poster wouldn't be accepted. Do you think that people would treat you differently if you did put a Black Lives Matter poster up? I don't know. Like, I kind of want to I want to run the experiment. But it'd be easy to run an experiment if I didn't have a kid. 
you know? Well, here's I, the, okay. This is how, like, it's funny because in my mind, so you're a person of color. Your wife is also a person of color. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, right? So you're Indian. Your wife is of Chinese descent. If you guys were white people, I would sort of be more empathetic or kind of understand a little bit more of why maybe you might not want to put that poster up. No, other way around. Other way around. I think a white person putting that poster up has less to fear. Why? Why? White people are safer. White people don't feel fear the same way. Again, to be clear, brown and yellow people don't feel the fear that black and Hispanic people feel in this country, to be very clear. Yes. Yes, that's true. But I think I've said it. In fact, I think I wrote in the op-ed that I referenced earlier. I was assaulted by racist kids with a Confederate flag when I was a kid. I have that fear. And that fear, it's one thing to be bold and be like, oh, I don't care if they do it to me, you know, but your family and your kids who didn't sign up for that. Uh, Kenyatta, a guest, we haven't aired this one yet, but black guy I used to work with, he now lives in England. He's married to, I believe, a white woman. And we talked about, are you going to have the talk with your son? And he said, I don't want to have to. I don't want to ruin his innocence with that because he's not growing up in America. Yeah. And it's that. Like, I don't, it's not just the, my daughter asks me all the time, daddy, what are you scared of? Because she thinks I'm not scared of anything because I'm her dad. And the thing I tell her is, Something happening to you is the only thing that scares me, mm. you know? And like, I, Sharon, you have to feel that way about your kids. I know you do. Like, and so putting the sign, when my, when my wife was like, hey, do you want to put the sign up? But then the, the flip side of me, like literally the activist in me says, but if I put one sign up, will someone else in the neighborhood see it and put the other one up? Does, yeah. does everyone else, are there people who are a little afraid to say what they think because they see all the support the police department signs going up? But yeah. I live in a pretty red town, to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. So you live in LA. I live in LA. Your husband's black. Yep. Your kids are black. Yep. I, and I'm not saying put up a sign, Jim, but I'm like, would you put up a sign? I think we would. We haven't. So that makes me wonder, like, if we would, then why haven't we? But people see your husband. He's, he's a black guy. Clearly, he thinks that black lives matter. Yeah, clearly. But it, it is that we've only been living in this neighborhood for a couple of weeks, so I'm still getting to know it. What's a neighborhood? I mean, when you lived in Long Island City, mm-hmm. it was... A pretty diverse neighborhood, but yeah. what's the neighborhood like in the part of LA you're in? It's it's less diverse. I mean, and even in terms of age, like we just happen to live on a block where it's a lot of older people, so retirees, and they've been in this neighborhood for probably thirty or forty years. We're the only family of color that I've seen so far, and on the immediate block anyway, we're the only family with kids because everyone really is like sixties, seventies, eighties. So it's all white people. It's all old white people. <laughs> and I mean, if um, you had to guess, what, what do you think the split is? Hillary Trump voters? Yeah, I would guess mostly Trump voters. And yet, maybe on the next block, when I was walking the dog the other day, there is a Black Lives Matter sign outside. And then in that same house, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And I'm always curious when I see it outside someone's house, like to kind of just get a little sense of who they are. And this one house had their own garden in the front yard. They had something else that I thought was pretty progressive. Maybe they had a Tesla or something. Like there was something about, you know, it was like a badge. There are plenty of rich Republicans who drive well. a Tesla in California <laughs> and, and in the part of Connecticut I live in, to be but clear. I, I guess what I mean is they were living a very, like, like it's almost like they fit that side of the stereotype of, hey, I grow my own vegetables. I don't believe in carbon emissions and Black Lives Matter. So it was like that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I, I kind of get what this person is all about just by kind of looking at their front yard. So- 
in my neighborhood. Yesterday, I was screening a, a guest that we're going to have, this guy Keenan. We hadn't caught up for like a year or two, an entrepreneur in the city, black guy. And we're talking about this show and what's going on. And on that's the longer walk, there is a Trump sign. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking and on Bluetooth, just kind of walking and talking to my friend Keenan in the city. And I get close to the house and I subconsciously just kind of turned around. I didn't want to be passing the house while I'm talking about race with a friend. And it's this fear. And I mm. feel like a coward, like the thing about not putting up a sign. But at the same time, it doesn't get better if we don't speak up. Yeah. If that's the least yeah. I could do. But I live in a white part of Connecticut. And I'm the token. My daughter's the token brown person at her daycare. But at the same time, people need to get used to it. Huh. You know? Yeah. I don't know. But there's the I, fear. I, I'm, I'm struggling here. I, and I appreciate you being so honest because I think that's such an ironic thing. Like you have this show where at least once or twice a week you are publicly sharing your perspective about race and your own personal experiences and we're challenging beliefs or we're calling out other people's prejudices. Yeah, but we're anonymous. Like seriously, hi, mom. <laughs> Actually, not even my mom. Hi, hi, sister. But you know, when we started, like we, you, before we did this, we got our face on the cover of this podcast. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And if we get more political. You want to be anonymous. Look, that's half of the assholes on the internet. They get to say terrible sure. things sure. because they hide behind a Twitter handle yeah. that no one knows. Talk to me um, about your perspective of how race and politics are intertwined. Because I know, I know that for you, you, you do believe that the two of them are very closely aligned. I mean, yeah, I grew up in the South. It's it's so obvious to me. But um, first SNL episode after Trump was elected, Aziz Ansari was the host. And he said, hey, secret racist, please go back to being secretly racist. <laughs> no, this is truth. The things our president does mm -hmm. makes it acceptable. So um, quickly, the land from just the facts. Jacob Blake was shot by a cop in Kenosha, Wisconsin. A lot of protests erupted. Mm -hmm. During said protests, a 17-year-old... Uh, White boy, I cannot, I don't know his name. Kind of don't want to know his name. His name's not important to me. Okay. I, I hate to say that. I just, I don't want to give the villain a name. Um, the 17-year-old kid who had been to a Trump rally, who said Blue Lives Matter, had an automatic weapon and shot protesters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, justice is being carried out right now. So my faith in the system is not shaken. My faith in people is shaken. How does a 17-year-old boy assault peaceful protesters with an automatic weapon. Does that mean if I put a sign up in my front yard, a 17-year-old kid? Hmm. I see what you mean now. Like, and, yeah. and the politics of it is the rhetoric that is being spoken. So the RNC, like DNC, RNC. We watched some of the DNC. I'm just reading the recaps of the RNC, right? Yeah. yeah. But the tone of the DNC is, it is pretty dark, to be clear. They're like, this is an important election. Yeah. It's not about blue and red. It's literally about good and evil. And if you look at the clips of the RNC, they're literally celebrating the couple who had guns on their lawn, pointing them at peaceful protesters walking back. It's okay for white people to have guns and, oh my God, they're coming to take away your guns and to use that rhetoric. But if a crowd of black people and brown people and even white people get together with peaceful protesting, there are bad actors, but for the most part, Let's demonize them. Yeah. Oh, but let's celebrate. Let's literally put them in the Republican National Convention, the couple 
who stood their ground and pointed guns at peaceful protesters. Mm-hmm. There's clips of some of the pseudo militiamen in Kenosha. You know, they had a Facebook group. They told the cops they were coming. They asked to not be asked to disperse. There's clips of cops throwing water bottles to say thank you to the guys with the guns. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, and that's what's so the politics of it is the rhetoric since 2016 has been it's okay there's good people on both sides and yeah fuck that there's not there's i've said this before there's right and there's wrong i I have this thing called superhero morality growing up reading the fantastic four and superman and batman and whatever but there's right and wrong there's no gray and there's literally one side of the country that's saying no it's it's kind of gray and the water temperature it's becoming more acceptable to argue about facts I used to wear Obama shirts. You know, I have an uh, Alabamians for Obama shirt that I semi-ironically wear. I had a carry shirt and a sign at my house in Cincinnati. I canvassed a little bit in Cincinnati. I am afraid. And I, it's weird. And yeah. maybe that's part of being grown up is being more fearful. No, I think you're right in that I think the country has changed with new leadership. And I think the sentiment has all... It, it's funny because when I think about... Obama gear, like merchandise. You're absolutely right. Like Obama hats and shirts and all of that stuff. That was a, it was a badge of pride 10 years ago or 12 years ago. But the MAGA hat's a badge of pride now. Yeah. It's a different thing. It's a completely different thing. And it was all, it's, it makes me wonder because I'm not Republican. So it makes me wonder if when folks were wearing the Obama shirts and hats. I thought about this. Yeah. If the Republicans felt the way that we do. If they felt scared because did they feel the black Kenyan Muslims coming? Right. Yep. Exactly. And then it makes me wonder if a lot of the recent events are the the boomerang effect of that, right? Look, I'm being very partisan and super left leaning liberal when I say this, but like the fear of Obama was made up. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. The the guy was Steve Urkel. He's a nerd, half white, <laughs> middle of the road. Yeah. And this is the rhetoric yeah. of hope and change. Like yeah. it was amazing, but he was a centrist. Yeah. Like Literally. he was a professor. And I, I love the guy. Half of our guests love the guy and love his wife, right? Yeah. They, they want to interview him. Totally. So I feel like the fear was paranoid exaggeration. So maybe you could tell me, Roman, you are being paranoid. So the day after the election, 2016, my wife and I took a road trip. Our daughter was a baby to upstate New York. It was freezing cold. We just hiked around a lake, you know, just need to get away. And I remember the hotel. I saw the USA Today with the swastikas painted, Hmm. like the day after the guy was elected. Wow. And good people on both sides, literally people in tiki torches and the 17-year-old. Like, I'm sorry. The fear is real with what... The current, like the Obama fear was not real. I'm sorry. He was a black nerd. I'm, and a, Cool. He watched Star Trek, you know, but like this guy, this other guy. It, it, actually, I don't think he cares about anything other than himself, but he's willing to say and do anything. And it's stoking fires. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't afraid to speak out against President Bush. Yeah. Yeah. And argue, my roommate was a McCain voter in 08, and we argued about it and yeah. had good arguments about it. The The polarization has driven fear in me. And maybe it's the neighborhood I live in. Maybe it's being a father. But even that, I, I, something's different. The temperature is, it's only getting worse. It is. And I think what contributes to some of this is, I think Trump has a talent 
for being an entertainer. When I think about his history, The Apprentice, even who he's known to be as a brand, right? This this guy who's very successful in business. And yeah, he's a complete showman. And he's really been able to leverage that to mobilize people for better or worse. And I think that's what scares me because I think about American culture and we eat that stuff up, right? Like we eat up the showmanship. We love the story. We fall for the tricks and the magic because that's so much a part of our culture as a country. And he thrives and he succeeds at that. And so that's the scary part is he's got these ideas that we don't all agree with and that are harmful to certain groups of people. And he's got the majority eating that like right out of his hand. Well, it's, I don't think it's the majority. I think he's playing to the base. I want to be wrong, but I'm I'm being very pessimistic. Something that I hate and I've hated since 2016, I've hated since 2015 is when Obama was president, when Bush was president, when Reagan was president, we didn't talk about him every day. Every conversation, mm. like the just the sheer opportunity cost or opportunity loss. When I talk to a fellow marketer, a fellow startup person, a activist, whatever, comic book geek, it eventually comes up. He dominates the conversation. And there's so much lost productivity because we have to get that shit out of the way. Even yeah. with coronavirus, right? Like we're living through this pandemic and it's becoming semi-normalized, which I hate. Because this shit's not normal. But it, remember, like, every Zoom call a couple months ago, the first 10, 15 minutes was yeah. the, what's yeah. going on? Hey, oh, what room are you? You know, it's like, right. and it's it's infectious. I don't think the protests, honestly, were in this moment with this pandemic because all the attention's been mostly on that for a while. And when George Floyd was killed, people were paying more attention than they ever had been before. I think everything else was more muted. Mm-hmm. So it could rise up and we've kind of hit that inflection point of it's in the conscious. Like, and if you listen to some of the rhetoric from the RNC, they're literally saying, I can't even repeat some of the stuff they're saying, but they're, they're, they're literally saying that these protests for black lives matter are what's divisive and hateful and fearful in America. And that's so wrong, blatantly wrong because black lives matter is just pay attention to us. Yeah, please. That's effectively what it is. And there's literally saying MS-13 is going to come and <laughs> kill you. They're coming right. for your suburbs. And I live in a suburb now. And I'm like, huh? Like, <laughs> what? But people, I think they're eating it up. Yeah. It's true. Anyway, that's why I don't want to put a sign up. Like, I, and I, I need to, like, man up and just do it, I guess. But the fear is real. If you were to do it. What would you be doing that you aren't now? Meaning like, what's the... Uh... Well, come on, Sharon. We're not doing shit right now. You and I, like, <laughs> we're doing a podcast. <laughs> come on. But we're I not mean, protesting. I guess you said it before too. So I'm just hammering at home. So for you, it's all about, it's all about identification then. Like you're okay writing the op-eds and you're okay creating the, the podcast and you're okay... Well, it's using the, the powers I have. I'm, I'm an evil marketer, you know? Right. You're okay being on all sorts of communications platforms about this. As long as no one can trace it back to where you live and who your family is. I hate to say it. And I I regret being so digitally and socially savvy in the early 2000s. And I've tried to scrub some of it, but like, I don't mention my family's name on the show. 
I mentioned yeah. them that I have a family. But this podcast has me a little afraid. Like mm. the the geeky comic book one. Yeah. If you don't agree with that, I didn't like Jim Lee's run on X Men. Yeah, we can have a fight about that. That's fine. <laughs> uh, Quarantine comics. It's X month. Check it out. One month of X Men. This whole thing is a ruse just to to plug that. Yeah. But the shit we're talking about, even the other one, when I interview these big executives, I'm asking them the questions about the current moment we're living in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this is the show that's going to get us trolled, Sharon. And again, we skirt at it by having conversations. We're having conversations with other people and letting them do the talking. We don't do a lot of the talking ourselves. Yeah. We inject it in the interview, you know? Yeah. So we've talked a lot about crooked media, the two of us, right? Yeah. Hey, hire us. Yeah. Hi hire us. Hey, Dan. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> um, if they felt the same way, do you think all of those conversations would be as valuable? What do you mean? Like, I mean, they have a very specific point of view and they're very open about it and they inspire their listeners to take action. They raise money for funds for certain things. They have petitions that they post on other people's behalf. They proudly stand for the values that they stand for. They're public figures. They rose to fame in the background, to be clear. So you knew who Obama was. You didn't know who his speechwriters were. Then they levied that to slowly build a thing. Mm -hmm. Let's play this out. Someone burns a cross on the front yard of the crooked media guys and girls there. Mm -hmm. That will make a headline. Mm -hmm. That will be a big headline. That will be covered on MSNBC and maybe not Fox, right? Colbert will mention it. Someone does that to me, it's a footnote in the local paper. Yeah. I'm not important. <laughs> if something terrible were to happen to us or our kids, it would be tragic in a circle of a hundred, maybe a thousand. Right. Yeah. Maybe worse, but it's just, I don't, I know I'm a coward. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do about this. Like, I want this platform to be bigger. It's been therapeutic occasionally to rant and to talk, mm -hmm. get this shit off my chest, but. I think you bigger. That's what I think. Yeah, but then we can. That's fine. But I'm. Am I putting a sign? I think that's the name of the episode. Am I going to put up a sign? Yeah. Are you going to put up a sign? Yeah. Like. <laughs> and and which sign? Right to your point. Is it a political sign? Is it a supporting Black Lives Matter sign? Is it something else sign? It's all political. Is it, Come on, is if it, it's saying like we should all love each other sign, like what's the sign? I actually saw a bumper sticker today um, that just said "Be nice." <laughs> yeah, I feel like I could get behind that. A picture of a rainbow. I guess what? Well, that, that well, that's political. Something else. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and I agree with that to be clear. But some of my best friends are rainbows. I. It's funny. I wrote a note to uh, someone that's a pretty big deal on the internet. This guy Dave Pell. If you don't read his newsletter, next draft, like hurry up and subscribe to it. It's, it's awesome. But I I wrote him an email. I want him on the show. He's just a white Jewish guy in San Francisco. And I was describing the show to him in this cold outreach. I, I've written him a couple of times and he's written politely back over the years, but this is before I had a podcast. So now I'm literally, please come on my podcast. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I know you're white. Some of my best friends are white. Is what I, said. I, I know a white person. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I think I'm going to put up a sign. I don't know what it's going to say yet, though. Maybe I'll have my kids draw it cop out no because i feel like for, now that we've talked about it i feel like that's it's not the sign itself it's the message and i i think that 
each one of us has a unique message and I wouldn't want to put up, like for me, a Biden-Harris sign isn't a sign that I've made, right? It's not even a sign that represents who I am or who we are. So if we're going to put up a sign, I'd kind of, I'd want to almost create a whole new sign. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like the bacon and the burrito or something. (laughs) That's just going to confuse people. (laughs) But I'm going to know what it means. (laughs) But no, but I want to pick on you about that. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So that's like wearing a T, right? I I wear a lot of weird T-shirts. Like I have uh, this set of Weezer shirts that just has the Weezer W and they're different colors for the blue album, the black album. And no one knows what it is. People might think I'm a George W. Bush supporter. I don't know. Or it's a Wonder Woman supporter (laughs) because it's the same logo. But that's a statement. Oh, it's weird. But that's different. Putting up a, a Weezer W in my front yard, I, I don't know, the front yard sign is, mm-hmm. that's a political statement. The sign you put in your front yard is a political statement. The shirt you wear can be, you like the band, you like the politician, your fashion statement, whatever. So I, I just want to pick on that. I, I think signs in a front yard, you're telling your neighbors something. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, this is a thing that you know what it is. Right. I, I hear that. I've never lived in a house before now. <laughs> city girl right city exactly girl. so i actually never what do people do in manhattan like they'll put it in their windows or or maybe not even i mean signs like I, I don't think we've ever we've hung not in my grown-up years but i remember growing up we had an american flag in our window after september 11th you know things like that yeah but or i've never lived in a house so that's pretty interesting so I get what you're saying. So I would have to choose a sign and then I would have to put the sign up and I would have to do it with the intention of saying, I affiliate with this message. Well, because well, your, and- your neighbors don't know who you are. They right. just know a Chinese woman and a black guy and yeah. two adorable kids live here. Yeah, that's true. And to your point but- of the, the house with the Tesla in the garden, <laughs> you assumed all these things about them by what the house looked like. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But okay, tell me if you think it'd be ironic if I'm not ironic, but just kind of redundant, you know, black lives matter. And then we we come out the front door, like, but the percentages, right? So someone walks by your house at any given moment, your husband and your kids are not standing there. So you actually don't know who lives in the house at any given second. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't always see the people in a house walk down your street. Um, unless you actually know your neighbors, you don't actually know much about them. Or if you're driving down the street because you're passing through a Massachusetts town. Yeah. Right. But growing up in Alabama, you drive down a street and you see Confederate flags or you pull into a parking lot and you see a car with a Confederate flag, you park somewhere else. I'll give you another example. Okay. There's a lot of yard sales and we like, we don't live in the rich part of town, but we don't live in the poor part of town, but there's some very rich part of towns. And there was a yard sale uh, a few months ago and we decided to go. You know, because you can get cool etcher or quirky totally. side, you know, stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. We go, and I was there with my wife and daughter. And remember, I'm in a rich part of a very white Connecticut. There were these little statues that are very kind of minstrel, basically of characters in blackface. And hmm. my wife was just like looking through some of the kitchen implements. And I'm like, we need to leave right now. Hmm. I don't know if they have hate in their heart, right? Right. By right. having it, but that's a signal to me. And I live in a neighborhood. It's so weird. Like the last town we lived in, New York, just outside of the city, and we still live just outside of the city. Like I can take a train and get into Manhattan when there's not a pandemic, but it was a much more granola Subaru neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is much more of a BMW neighborhood. Yeah. And I drive around and I've only seen a couple of Trump signs. But, you know, based on the economics of the neighborhood I live in, I know people are at least from all a pocketbook standpoint, 
voting Republican, right? Now, the question is, do they get caught up in the other stuff too? And that's the fear. You can tell a lot by what's in someone's front yard and or what's at someone's yard sale. What books are on their shelf? Hmm. Uh, these are all signals. Yeah. I'm having a hard time finding the, the positive thing to end with. <laughs> I am too. I keep bringing it down. <laughs> yeah. Like where's the, the good part of the sandwich now? So this is what I'd say. After we did our burrito and bacon episode after George Floyd was killed, I had a friend in India who listens to this show, listen to this. He's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. If anything, me getting this off my chest in this conversation is therapeutic. I'm putting it on the mic. I'm putting in this MP3. I'm fine. I have a podcast where I talk about the X-Men. I get to talk to a bunch of my friends on the air. I get to play with my kid. Like, I'm fine. Like, Yes, the world sucks, and we are dealing with the suckiness. But for the most part, I'm good. But this stuff weighs on me 24-7. And there's these moments and these flare-ups, which I think are necessary. We don't need to get used to it. Um, someone called us out. One of my sister's friends listens to the show, and her comment was, you guys are a little privilegy. I'm like, yeah, we are. And a lot of our guests are, too. We have had hardships. But I don't know. I, like, I kind of have to put the pain in a box, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well. I think I think that that's a sign, right? You're feeling this way because you feel powerless without realizing how much power you have. I think you have a lot of power. You have a lot of power. You have a lot of influence. We are very privileged and therefore we can and should do something about things when yeah. they bother us or when we see injustices or if we see something that can be improved. And Talking about them is one great way to do that. I think having a podcast is another way, but I think it's a bigger life opportunity. Maybe this is the thing that's going to drive you to your next thing. It'd be easier to just put a sign up in my front yard. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think this is like the universe's way of telling you, you are destined for something much greater than modern minorities. <laughs> but take us with you. You're just trying to get out of doing this podcast with me. <laughs> So I think what we're going to do, Sharon and I want to try to inject a little bit more of this into the show. I don't know how or if it's going to be recent stuff, but let us know on the internet. Tell us what you like or don't like. And I hope this has been helpful for you guys. I don't think Sharon and I are alone in feeling this right now. And eh, it'd help us if you let us know how you feel. Yeah. And we're not alone. And for you to also know that you're not alone. Yeah. All right. Well, stay safe out there. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us. Hi, mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ModMinPod. We'd love to hear from you. I've been Ramin Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.